This is the Energizing India podcast. As countries around our world have started to rapidly accelerate their transition towards clean energy and clean mobility, in the midst of all of the celebrations of zero emissions, we have been asking persistently a set of uncomfortable questions. What would happen if all vehicles moved to electric? Can the grid in different countries handle such a massive transition? And will wait times for access to chargers and then to charge also become the norm? Today, we speak to a company that is trying to tackle both of these problems head on. In this episode, we look towards Europe as we speak with the CEO of a very interesting charge point operations company that was founded in Italy, but now works across Europe. We welcome none other than Luca Fontanelli, Chief Executive Officer of EGAP. Ciao Luca, benvenuto. Welcome to India and also to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Ravin. Thank you for this opportunity and uh, for your Italian accent is perfect. Thank you. You've come here during the monsoon. Uh, it's the wettest time of the year to be at the uh, Artemis Energizing India Studios in Pune, but we appreciate the fact that you made the trek. Uh, Luca, for a start, uh, you're a very interesting personality. You spent 18 years being an entrepreneur yourself, running a financial services company, and then uh, decided to become a professional CEO of a startup charge point operator that you've been doing for the last three years. I'm interested in this shift from finance to electric vehicles. Yes, the, the, common, the common angle of these two experiences is to create something from zero at the end and uh, this is a great chance uh, to build something together with people and uh, creating uh, something new because in 2002 the financial service in our market in Italy and in Europe too uh, was an opinionistic uh, approach to, to the business and uh, in a certain sense even EGAP was an opinionistic experience uh, three years ago. So, uh, at the end, at a certain point of this uh, track, uh, after 18 years in, uh, in EGAP, in uh, Officina, sorry, uh, the experience was, to, was entering in a sort of comfort zone in which everything was uh, stable and uh, maybe not so attractive from a certain point of view. So, uh, I received a uh, proposal from the shareholders and co-founders of the of this company that is named the Gap, and they proposed to me to share these visions, and I believe that is uh, perfect uh, to achieve the new targets that we have uh, in Europe and the rest of the world from the electric outside. So, Luca, before we talk about the EGAP business model, which is a very interesting business model, not being done by any charging company in the world. I want to talk about the differences in electric adoption in Europe. If you look at the, you know, Scandinavia, you've got 95% of vehicles sold in Norway in 2023 are electric. Uh, then you come to, you know, Germany and France, where that number is about 55%. And then you come to Italy, where you're at 5%. Why is there such a big difference in electric vehicle adoption between North and South Europe? The difference are uh, incredible high and uh, the speed of the market is different. So uh, under the common union to see that the energy transition uh, will be done. Uh, uh, we have the, you know, the hard break of 2035 
that is uh, fixed from uh, the European Commission. Uh, everyone knows that that timing will be respected, but the speed is different due to the cultural uh, approach, sensitivity of the people, vision, uh, pressure that the governments are doing in a different way. Uh, the incentives are completely different, so there are countries that are investing a lot of money to create the right elements to increase the share of electric vehicles in the market. Germany w was one of these one, maybe the, the best one. Now they are moving around 20% of sharing of electric vehicle in the new cars sold in the market. So we are talking about one to five cars are electric now. Uh, the rest of Europe is moving. Uh, France is around 18%. Uh, Spain is uh, around 5%. And Italy is, is uh, just a little bit in delay uh, in this acceleration due to many reasons. Uh, of course, we are starting from an, a cultural approach very linked to the old uh, engineering, mechanical engineering. So the, the people love uh, thermal cars, love uh, to drive uh, iconic uh, vehicles. And Ferrari, and the Fiat. Ferrari, <laughs> Fiat. The history mm. of Italian um, mechanical industry is very known. And, but, and maybe we are less digital uh, in terms of uh, capacity to enter with the right approach in the digital section of this new world and uh, the Nordics of Europe uh, may be uh, considering that in terms of population are less than I easier it's easier to adopt and maybe the sensitivity on digitalizing uh, uh, engineering is, is higher mm -hmm. than the south of Europe so that's why the electric, the electric vehicles are more digital than uh, engineering. So you've talked about how the adoption is different for different reasons, and therefore the problems of electric vehicles are different in each of these economies. For example, in Norway, uh, people live in apartments. They don't have access to curbside charging. They're quite often parking on the, on the street. And so uh, on the weekends when they're going hunting, fishing, trekking, um, there are very, very big lines skiing as well. There are big lines at the at the electric vehicle fast charging stations where, you know, you might have 20 outlets with 40 cars waiting and you've got to wait an hour to wait an hour to charge and it can be quite frustrating. Um, then on the other side, you know, in uh, in in Germany, France, uh, you know, UK, we found uh, almost 40% of the chargers are unavailable uh, when you approach them, not because they're busy, but because of other reasons. And, you know, it's quite difficult to keep a charging network going. So I'm, I'm interested, what are the problems that you are seeing in the EV space in Italy? Uh, before we talk about how you're addressing this in a very unique fashion. Yeah. The, the problems of the grid is, is, uh, is the real common problems. Uh, the issues not to, to improve and to develop the grids around Europe is uh, the common uh, approach that each country has. So uh, at the end, IGAP was born for this reason and uh, to avoid any kind of constraint that are limiting, are limiting the people to enter in this new world. Uh, we believe that the main constraints are in the city, 
in the main ring in the city uh, where the grids are uh, very used for many many um, kind of uh, uh, tools that are using energy now we, we have a big transition in, uh, in Europe due to the reduction of dependency from the gas and the new transformation of all the elements that we use with gas with electricity so this means that air conditioning to cook the kitchen everything is done by energy now so the grids without the the, the cars are just suffering now with this kind of uh, usage of the power so due to this we believe that the main countries uh, as a great challenge to improve the capacity of the grids everywhere in Europe because the story is similar there are no so much difference between a uh, city of the north of Europe or the south uh, it, the problem is how many energy we have to deliver in the future due to the consumption that we have in the house but even outside from the house how many cars need power new power to recharge uh, their batteries mm. so to answer to this uh, to this big question what we believe is that you have to disintermediate the grids and there is the only way to accelerate Uh, the market otherwise we can sell cars but the capacity to recharge the cars is limited as, as we're seeing in the scandic countries yeah. so the one question we ask uh, a lot of the talent that comes on the show is can the grid handle this demand that will come over 10 years and the difference between you and the others is everyone else has just said yes it can handle don't worry this is not going to be an issue yet your company is coming at it from a radically different angle going i don't want to be dependent on the grid i'm going to create a charging solution that is off grid in two ways so you are going to create a battery swap fast charger that is curbside and you are also going to do charge service delivery so you're going to turn up to people's houses or offices and actually charge their vehicles subtly when they don't even know it because they are in, you know their algorithms working within your system that tells you when you can go and charge somebody's car more importantly you're actually a battery company that is facilitating this use of your batteries into the into the charge swap program so there's this religious divide of is this a swap world or a charge world and you said no i'm going to bring them together and i'm going to swap my batteries for a charger so uh this is an exciting idea it's radical it's different um tell us how you're going to implement this and what are the what are the challenges you've had along the way first of all the the answer at your first question is no the grid cannot support the next demand of energy that coming from the new population of electric vehicles in the market so that's is the key point where igap is started So we believe that is not possible. Some example in Milan that is very modern city in Italy in July due to the air conditioning only for the air conditioning we have seven blackouts. Okay, only for the consumption of the air conditioning that the people How long are these blackouts normally? Is it uh, 10 minutes or one hour? Or? No, it's around 10 minutes, but okay. 10 minutes so for seven times. Yeah. Yeah, it's a collapse. It's a lot. Uh, yeah, exactly. a lot. In yeah. a modern city, you have a lot of issues yeah. coming from this, no? So, uh, 
Starting from this vision, we believe that the creation of an alternative grid, totally off from the natural grid, is the solution. Because it's the only way in which you can give answers to the next demand that is coming. Um, it's not depending from the speed of the demand. Of course, the acceleration put pressure on this side, but we believe that with the right answer, that, that the right offer that we are producing in the market in terms of capacity to recharge the car with our systems, we can satisfy this demand. Of course, it's not the only solution. Uh, we believe that the combine between fixed and mobile solution can serve the market much better than only fixed. It's like the TLC market in the 90 years. Now we see the, exactly the same movie. Uh, the movie was that the, the people that believe that the fixed solution, the fiber optic, will serve everything in the market at the end the history says that wasn't a very wrong uh, approach and the companies that will survive at that time was the company that had invested in the mobile and mobile put, data, in bundle, yes, put yeah. in bundle the two services they realized the best performance in the market so we believe that this is the future of course we are focusing on mobile and off-grid services But we believe that together with the, the great uh, challenge that other companies are doing uh, to put new point of recharge in the fixed uh, solution with the, new, with the original grid is the right solution for the future. So to explain this a little bit further to our listeners, what you are proposing is a super fast charger, maybe 240 kilowatt that sits curbside but is not connected to the grid but is backed up by a battery wall an energy storage solution which are your batteries and as these batteries run down their charge you come every 24 hours and replace the batteries and then they're charged at another location so you are completely off grid in that area not loading the grid with another piece of equipment which means you don't need permissions you can be fast uh, uh, you need permissions to install but not permissions to connect to the grid so you can you can be quite fast and it'd be interesting to discuss about the safety fire hazards and things like that uh, you know in a, in a separate conversation um, but on the other side you have again a van or a truck that has a battery wall that is again backed up by a fast charger and you turn up at locations where customers are your subscribers and you give them a boost charge uh, maybe a 20 minute boost or a half an hour boost 40 minutes boost when they're home shopping or in the office uh, and when they return to their car they've got um, a SOC that takes them up about 200 kilometers and they didn't even know that it was scheduled it happens because you know that that's an opportunity for you to do it that's fantastic um, Have you rolled this out? Um, what, is, what are the geographies you're looking at? What is the growth path you're looking at? Three years ago, when, uh, when I was arriving in, uh, in EGAP, uh, what, what was very clear was the vision. The vision coming from the fact that our funders are producers of renewable energy. And this energy, uh, at that time, was used only to put on the grid without any kind of usage of that kind of uh, capacity that is huge because they are the second independent producer in Italy and the first 10 
in uh, in Europe. Of renewable so, energy. So yes. this is wind and solar, I take it. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So no. this means that we have the the energy to deliver. Okay. Starting from this, the, we have two chances. The first one to sell everything to the grid. The second one is to invent something to sell this energy in a different way, creating a service. Interesting. So the batteries are charged with the renewable yes, energy. The, the battery is the tool that gives us the possibility to store this energy and to deliver the energy where the capacity is less than other place. So outside from the city, typically it's easier in a certain way to serve the market, no? because you have uh, the high tension, you have the, the, the grid enough free to receive a fixed, fast solution. But in, in the city, it's impossible. To put fast solution is impossible because there is no enough power in the grid to, to realize this. So the mission was how I can serve the demand in the city giving an, a fast recharge solution that is the most request service from the people that are using electric vehicles. Because if you have an, a private box and a private parking, you can wait seven hours to, to recharge your car. Because during the night, typically you stay at home, no problem. But only the 20% of the market as a private solution That's right. to recharge yeah. the car. So this is your private parking for your car where you yeah. can install your seven kilowatt AC. Yes, and it's perfect, works very well. But the fact is that this is possible only for the 20% of the market. The rest, 80%, that is huge, is the market, has not this possibility because lives in the condominium, lives in, in place where it's not possible to increase the power or to install some private solution. So we're talking in the older towns of Europe where yes. um, you don't have the ability to park and there's no electricity. Yes, typically in the center of Rome where I live, yeah, it's impossible to put something in your uh, private park or near to your, uh, to your house because it's up to the local government to prepare something, to open the road, to install something there. So what we are seeing is that the demand and the offer are mismatching. And this is a big issue because in a large city like Rome, you have the demand typically focusing on the north of the city and the grid is able to give to you solution in the south. So this means that if you theoretically want to recharge your car from the north to the south, you spend three hours in a day to go to recharge a car. So it doesn't work. Yeah, it's an amendment solution. So due to this, of course, EGAP is thinking to solve the problem, following the demand, giving, transforming in a fixed solution in a service solution. We are now very confident to order and a pizza and hamburger by our uh, digital device, no? It's very easy. Uh, the pandemic approach uh, to the service increase this, uh, the capacity to obtain something demanding, no? By, by your device. And uh, this is exactly what we think uh, that is the future. So we believe that through 
this very simple uh, way to order your service through an app. You can geolocalizing your position and profiling yourself and your car. We know exactly where you are, when you want a service, which kind of car you are uh, asking for the service. And this gives us the opportunity to serve at the best level the fast solution wherever you need. And considering that in the city there is no possible to recharge faster, the cost is comparable because we are serving this kind of service at the same price that the big company are delivering the energy outside from the city. So the services is included at the end. And uh, this is giving a different approach to the usage of electric vehicles in the big city in Europe. We are present in four different countries at the moment. Uh, And the demand is exactly the same. The people want exactly the same thing. Of course, the dimension of the market is different. The demand is different. But the sensitivity and the feedback that we are receiving is exactly the same. So, hence the name E-Gap, because you're addressing the gap in the electric vehicles market. Um, You're an Italian company with an English name. Is that because you see yourselves as more than Italian? You see yourself as a pan-European company? Absolutely, yes. We are based in Dutch and uh, in Netherlands. Our holding company is in Netherlands and we are seeing each country as a vertical market in which we are focusing our efforts. But from my personal point of view and the founders, of course, uh, are totally aligned with me. We are in a multinational company. We are thinking to go in the States in the future. We are thinking to open uh, not only to the Euro, to the Europe, but even to the rest of the world where the demand is increasing. Um, so, Luca, uh, we often like to talk about what's going to happen in the next 12 months. I'm interested from your perspective as CEO of a charging company, what do you think is the evolution in Europe, uh, both in Italy and as well as you go further north uh, uh, to the Scandix, what's going to happen over the next 12 months in our electric vehicle space? We are seeing a different uh, reaction from the markets. Uh, Nordics and uh, southern countries are moving in a different way because the Nordics, the, the share is around 50% of the market. So this means that they are not saturated, but is in a mature uh, country now in terms of demand. So my expectation is that in that case, the curve of increasing of uh, penetration of electric vehicles will be more flat in the future. In the South, there is a great space to grow, of course, depends from the approach of the governments. At the moment in Europe, uh, the demand is like uh, control from the incentives and from the uh, tax tax and uh, incentives approach that the governments are using. Uh, When the politician believes that is the case to increase the demand and to increase the capacity of the people to invest, changing the cars, and entering in this new world, the demand, the response of the demand is very fast. So it's in a question, we have two barriers to the increasing of the volumes of the car. The first one is psychological, is the range anxiety that the people has to go over in, to buy an electric vehicle. 
And we believe that EGAP is doing and a great uh, support to, to go over this, uh, this barrier. So that's it's more psychological. And that's why the big company of uh, automotive sectors are investing in large batteries, uh, giving uh, large autonomy to the cars. Uh, the range is very, in some cases, very extensive. But we believe that this is only why the people are to cover the range anxiety. If you have the possibility to recharge your car in an easy way, every day, without anxiety, maybe you don't need a battery so large, so you can buy in a car with 300 kilometers of range because you need, you have, yes. This is the first barrier. The second one is the price of the car. So. Uh, considering the price of the batteries and considering the, that the industry is not completely mm, moved to the, to the new way to industrialize the, 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 the factory, you know, it's a question even to cover the investments that they are doing. They need time, but they need incentives. So uh, for sure, from my personal point of view, without and a common visions of the different countries in Europe uh, will be not so easy to achieve the targets of 2035 in the right way with the right uh, percentage of electric vehicles in the market. So that's my vision. Two different approaches, one coming from the customers, one coming from the governments. The industry that stay in the middle uh, has just invested a lot of billions of euro to transform the plants in uh, new plants, more digital, more dedicated to the electric vehicles. So they are doing a lot of uh, investments on this side. I've, I have met all the big boss of these industries and uh, the vision is everything will be electric in the future. So they are just in that in that future. So look, I want to probe your mind about Italy in particular. Uh, you know, in India, Italy had a long history after the war. The first cars were Fiat's, the first scooters were Piaggio's. And so there has been a long link between India and, and Italy, particularly in the automobile world. Um, yet it's, I'm not sure whether I want to use the word shocking, but surprising that uh, Italian industry came so late to the electric world. You know, Fiat was one of the last European car companies to launch an electric car. Uh, in fact, the conversion that we made of the 1954 Fiat from ICE to electric was done before Fiat launched their own electric vehicles. Why did that happen? What happened in Italy that, uh, you know, the leader in innovation, in automation, in automobiles, uh, particularly in the value segment, um, came to the party so late? I believe that uh, we lose the train at the beginning uh, due to the not right vision. At the end, the, the market make choice depending from the vision of the people that are able to influence the market. And in that case, in Italy, we believe that uh, this transition was not so real, not so possible. In terms, of, this is what happened uh, from my personal point of view uh, in the political side and in the big industry side. 
You remember that Fiat until uh, some years ago was an uh, independent uh, company, uh, much more Italian than European. Now is included in Stellantis Group. The vision is changed and uh, the Fiat 500 electric is a wonderful car. It is. It's a sexy, wonderful car. It is a a wonderful car. car. They are selling a lot of these uh, beautiful cars around Europe. It wasn't a question of timing. The timing is crucial in the business. We lose the first step. But I believe that knowing very well the capacity of the Italian people to recover in a very short time, I believe that we are able to to jump in the future in a very fast way. A lot of small, medium enterprises in Italy are serving the industry of the automotive in around the world. So this means that the technical capacity to do this step is possible. It's not unreal, it's real. Uh, we need more, uh, we need to believe something a little bit more. But uh, it's not my case because I'm You're totally, totally, I'm in. totally <laughs> invested all my life uh, in this uh, in this project. So I believe that uh, we can achieve the targets. Excellent. Um, Luca, you've come to India first time, I think, here. Uh, you've come, you flew into Bombay, drove up the hill to Pune. Um, how has the journey been? How has the first impressions of India um, compared to maybe what you had imagined it to be? It's familiar much more than you can uh, believe because I come from the south of Italy. The south of Italy is uh, in a place where everything is possible, mm. uh, even if sometime when you uh, see it for the first time in front of you, the environment, you think uh, that nothing is impossible. Mm. No, nothing is possible. Mm. You think that you have to cover a lot of uh, uh, gap to do something. And uh, what I believe about India, the first impression is that the quality of the people is incredible high. The cultural is incredible high. The cultural level is incredible high. The capacity is very high. Of course, the environment is not easy to manage and maybe is a barrier in some case to improve the the companies, uh, to invest and to grow. But I believe that this is the next uh, big uh, name in the world uh, in terms of uh, capacity to increase the GDP of the world. Uh, I believe that here the, the potentiality is incredible high and uh, absolutely I have seen uh, quality and capacity. So do you think, uh, Luca, that uh, Europe is now going to be ready to accept products from India? Um, Europe accepted products from China and uh, overwhelmingly so and I think uh, Corona showed us that you know, maybe reliance on one one country to be a logistics partner for everything is a bit dangerous. Do you think um, this is the opportunity for Indian companies in every industry, whether it's making tires or batteries or windshields or even cars, um, to be accepted in Europe? I believe yes. Uh, is an incredible chance for the Indians to enter in Europe now. 
due to the fact that we are just a little bit saturated uh, from Chinese products. So uh, the European people are not so fancy about uh, Chinese at the moment. So there is an angle uh, to enter and uh, what if, if what I have seen is I believe the, the right solution to cover some Chinese uh, products that are present in the market at the moment we believe that uh, Indian solutions are exactly what we need in Europe to cover that gap of technology with the right price because at the end uh, uh, the price is, is uh, it's very sensitive in this new market so we have to to receive the right answer in terms of technology digitalization engineering but with a price that in Europe is not practicable at the end so more space to the Indians I believe yes, less space to China's products in the future is present because it's what is happening now. My personal uh, choice in uh, in EGAP uh, at the beginning wa- was to um, use less as possible Chinese solution in our technology. At the moment, nothing that we use is produced in China. So we are using uh, European technology and uh, Indian technology maybe in the future, why not? Luca Fontanelli, molte grazie. It's been absolutely a pleasure to have you in our studios. Uh, good luck for your visit to India and we look forward to your next visit here. I'm happy to be here and happy to receive this uh, beautiful uh, interview in this podcast. So great pleasure to me. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host for this episode, Ravin Mirchandani. But I would not be here without the amazing Energizing India podcast team. Onkar, our podcast director and the man who makes it all happen in the end, much like a big fat grand Indian wedding bringing together the research data and attention to details all in the timelines to get the next episode out on time. Three Vikram, our podcast co-host and head of research, and Sunil, who along with me is executive producer of our program. The Energizing India podcast is an Ador Digatron production giving a voice to the EV industry in India. If you enjoyed listening to us today, make sure to follow us on whatever platform you are listening on, whether it's Spotify, Apple iTunes or our own portal energizingindia.tv. Thank you very much and see you on the next episode.